Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Would you please remain standing out of respect and honor and to give glory to the words and the work of Jesus? This is Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Everyone, and I do mean everyone, would love to wake up each and every morning optimally rested. I'm talking about completely refreshed, focused, energized, ready to take on whatever the day brings at you. Am I right? I mean, it would be great if every single night we could get just a great night sleep, right? So then why don't we sleep more? I mean, God has promised really incredible and really, you know, innumerable blessings when our bodies get sufficient sleep. I mean, did you know that your body not only has its mood and energy restored when you sleep, but actually there's tons of scientific benefits. Sleep enhances your ability to learn and memorize and solve problems. It helps you make logical decisions. On top of that, sleep is responsible for recalibrating your emotions. It's responsible for restocking your immune system. Sleep is also the thing that retunes our metabolism by resetting our appetite. Did you know that sleep, the right amount, gotten consistently, is actually able to help prevent cancer, and Alzheimer's, the effects of aging, and even promotes longevity. That's sleep. Sleep does all of that. That's how God made our bodies. So why don't we sleep more? Maybe you are the exception. Maybe you are someone who gets a great night of sleep almost every single night. But did you know that Last night, one in five adults in North America did not get a good night's sleep. In fact, 40% of adults over the last month will have fallen asleep by accident 
during the day. They're so tired. Because 60 million adults in the United States have a chronic sleep disorder. Look, I'm, I'm not a sleep scientist at all, but I wonder if the, the issue, the issue about why we don't get more sleep, and I'm not talking for a moment about people who do have a sleep disorder or people who have kids at home and those are the ones waking them up. I wonder if the problem about why generally Americans don't get enough sleep isn't a knowledge problem. I mean, we know sleep is it's very good for us. It's not a knowledge problem, but it's deeper than that. It's, it's a personal problem. We think we know better than our bodies and what biology says. We think we don't need sleep. Not, not that we don't need sleep, but we don't need that much sleep. And it's like we live trying to prove it, don't we? I mean, sometimes it's just doing things that we'd rather do. And it's not necessarily like bad things, like we're out carousing at all hours of night. Sometimes it's just spending time with friends, family, late into the night. Maybe we live trying to prove we don't need that much sleep because we found better alternatives. We can just caffeinate and stimulate our way through life. And we say things like, I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Even though our sleepless habits are causing death. Maybe, maybe the reason we don't sleep is because we think we're the exception. We think we're special. We think that yes, 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 normal people need eight hours of sleep, but <laughs> I'm not like the rest of mere mortals. I don't need that. Why don't we sleep more? I'd like to suggest that it's not a knowledge problem. We know that sleep is good. It's, it's very, very good for us. The problem is we think we know better. We think we don't need that much sleep. We try to prove it. But this isn't a sermon about sleep, not physically anyways. It is about spiritual rest. Jesus, while I'm not an expert on sleep, he is an expert on spiritual rest. And, well, he says what is happening to us physically with sleep well, parallels exactly what goes on in us regarding spiritual rest. I mean, you know that spiritual rest is good. Spiritual rest is even better for us than a great vacation, a break, or a good night's sleep. Christ gives us in spiritual rest, we talked about it in our kids' devotion, he gives us forgiveness of sins, the cleansing of a clear conscience. He pushes us out back into life with a new yoke of discipleship. This is good. It's very good. So why don't we rest spiritually more? Well, what Jesus suggests in Matthew chapter 11 is that it's not a knowledge problem. You know. You know that spiritual rest is good. It is, in fact, a personal problem. You think you know better. You and I think we know better what we need spiritually. That, not that we don't need spiritual rest. We, Maybe never say that, but 
We just don't need that much. And it's like we live trying to prove it. So here's what we're going to do. First, we're going to wait for that to quiet down. So that's probably going to take like a minute or so once that door gets opened up. But once that quiets down, what we're going to do is dive in to the text of Matthew chapter 11. We're here in an entire worship series called Define Christianity. And what we have actually is a really awesome chance to look at a scripture passage that, well, talks a lot about Christianity and in fact defines it. Don't worry about that, guys. I have thought so much about this passage. I can talk for a long time about it and not even get into my sermon yet until it quiets down. So we'll just wait for that to quiet down before we get into the real stuff, okay? So here's what we'll know. In this sermon text, Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to give you some context to it, okay? Because it'd be good if we could have read the whole thing, but we're just going to look at a couple verses of it. Leading up to Matthew chapter 11 and these famous words where Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary burden, and I will give you rest. Jesus addresses two groups. Two groups have met him and come to him. First, it's a group of people who heard John preach about repentance and forgiveness in Christ. And it's a group of people, or a group of towns rather, where Jesus had done tons and tons of miracles, okay? And in both groups, they both come up to him and Jesus, instead of welcoming them, instead of giving them terms of gospel comfort, he actually speaks woes or warnings to them. He says, woe to those people who rejected me and didn't believe in John. Woe to all of the towns that saw my miracles and are going to reject me. And in fact, he does that. And then he all of a sudden flips the switch. After speaking words of really heavy warning and woe to all of these, he says, but you come to me, come to me and you're going to receive rest. I think that's a signal that it's done. Um, Jesus says that. And what he does in this is he gives to all Christians for all of time a deposit, if you will, a deposit into their bank account um, that they can draw on again and again. Because we're going to talk about rest today. And the goal of this sermon is not to feel empty, not to feel bad that we don't get the rest that we need or should, because that's going to happen throughout this series called Define Christian. We're going to look at how Christ defines who Christians are and what they should do. And very often we'll look and we'll realize that we don't do the things that Christ says we should. But what we're going to see is at the very same time, Jesus gives us the command to come and you will receive rest. In those very same words, in that very same gospel invitation, he gives you and I the rest that we so deeply need. What we're going to do in our sermon this morning is focus our theme really on one of the most overlooked aspects of Matthew chapter 11. We know the famous words, come to me and you will receive rest. But do we also know this, that besides Jesus saying, come to me and you'll receive rest. And we say, oh, that's really, really awesome. I want rest. He also says, learn from me. Don't just come to me and receive rest. He says, learn from me and take my yoke on you. We're like, oh, we're a little less willing to do that. Very easy to say, yeah, yeah, give me the rest. But Jesus also says, come and learn from me. Come and learn from me and take my yoke on you. 
If it's true that Jesus says that we should not only come to him, but we should also learn from him and take from him his yoke. Well, what is it that we should learn from him? Well, this is our first fill in the blank for the day. Jesus says, come to me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And the first thing he wants you to learn from him is that you and I, we are weary because we're burdened. Did you catch that? When Jesus gave his invitation to you and to me saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, he's making an accusation. He's calling all of us weary and burdened. He presupposes that you are tired and burned out. He presupposes this because he knows this. But we don't like that. We don't like the idea that, well, we're tired and burned out. I mean, if I can make a quick illustration for that, how many of you would like it if I came up to you when you walked into church this morning and I said, oh, Matt, you look tired. Would any of you take that as a compliment and feel really good about yourself if I said that? No, of course not. You might admit that it's true, but you wouldn't like that. And you think about that. That's how Jesus starts this out. He says, come to me, you, weary people, burdened people. Oh, I say, no, no, no. I, I'm not tired and burdened. I'm not, I'm not weary. I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm just doing the best I can for my family because I love them. I, I, I'm a professional. I'm, yeah, I work hard and I, and I get tired, but I'm just, I'm just trying to make a secure future for myself, for my family, and, and just be happy and, and find meaning and purpose out of what I do. I'm not tired and burdened. I'm a Christian. I, I come here, yeah, on church on Sundays. I serve and I give, but no, oh, weary and burdened. <laughs> That's not me. I'm, I'm someone who's strong. I'm someone who is strong enough, self-sufficient enough, self-esteem high enough. But you see, that's just the point. That's what Jesus wants us to learn. He says, learn this, first of all, that you are weary because you, you are burdened. Burdened with what is probably what we need to ask. The point Jesus is making throughout Matthew chapter 11 is that people are burdened with the law. They are burdened with the law of God's word. You guys know that God's word has law and gospel. The law says what you should do. The law makes demands. Most famously, people know the law is the Ten Commandments. And God's word says, if you want to be saved, you need to do them perfectly. That's burdensome. But here's where it gets really interesting. As scripture tells us, as Jesus tells us, we're burdened with the law. We know that. We know that we can't do the law perfectly. Do you know what we do? We start to pick and choose. We start to pick and choose the laws we're pretty good at. The laws that we like. The laws or the things in life that we need to do to look good, to prove ourselves as good, that give us a sense of satisfaction and gratification. So we pick out those specific laws. You know, it's almost like we live to prove we don't need to rest. Because, well, 
we can do things that we like to otherwise do. And it doesn't have to be bad things like carousing at night. It, it could just be that we get rest from hanging with friends, from being a really good husband or wife. We get rest and, and purpose and replenishment from spending time doing things we enjoy. Maybe that's not you. Maybe instead, we do pick things, the spiritual equivalent of caffeine or stimulants to say, you know, I, you know, instead of coming and admitting that I'm weary and burdened, that I will just plow through. I'll just keep doing this. I'll keep finding a sense of hope and goodness and being busy and, and plugging in at work and just killing it and engaging even at church. Perhaps even we don't readily come and admit that I'm weary and I'm burdened and I need the rest Christ gives. We think we're the exception. We think, yeah, most people really, really suffer under the weight of this world and they need God and his word for that. And yeah, it might do too to some extent, but not as much as the person in the seat next to me. They really need them. But you see, that's just it. We are burdened by the law and we're weary because of it. Either we're weary because the burden of the law that we self-choose, the, the laws that we like and give us a little bit of sense of gratification and satisfaction, we keep striving, we keep grinding, we keep hustling to find rest in those things. Or alternatively, all our grinding and, and working in those areas have proved that we're actually a failure at finding rest, at being a really great husband or wife or father or mother. We really don't get any spiritual rest from really working hard and, and working long hours. We don't get rest from, from working to be really well-liked sociably and, and have everyone's approval. And it burdens us. We're weary precisely because we're burdened. Because we're, we're already wearing a yoke. This is what Jesus is inviting us to come and learn. He says, not only come to me and receive rest, I want you to learn from me. Learn what? Here's the truth, that we're gonna wear a yoke. You guys know what a yoke is, right? Well, we don't really see them that often. Maybe if people decorate their house in a kind of country chic kind of way, you see a yoke. But this is what a yoke is. It is really a simple contraption, a very large wooden beam that often has other metal or wooden beams that connect two things. The reason why I'm explaining to you what a yoke is is because naturally when a person or an animal or a thing is yoked, it isn't just yoked to the beam. It essentially must be yoked to something else. It must be yoked to someone or something else. Jesus says, come to me. And don't just come to me, learn from me. And he wants us to learn first that, that we are weary, weary because we're burdened and it's because we're yoked yoked to, to something or someone of our own choosing. And the question that you need to ask yourself 
is what you're yoked to spiritually replenishing you and reviving you and giving you rest? Or is what you're yoked to in hopes defined rest actually draining you? Because everything else other than coming to one person and wearing one yoke will 100% completely drain you spiritually, perhaps even drain you physically and likely drain you emotionally. But this, but this yoke, this yoke gives rest for the weary. Christ's yoke and that is why this, this really, really often overlooked aspect of this passage that Jesus says, not only come from me, but learn from me is good and full of God's gracious blessings and goodness. That's actually good that we can come and admit that I, I am weary, I am burdened, that we can actually come and, and lay down whatever we're carrying and, and is burdening us and stressing us because there is another yoke. There is another yoke that gives rest for our souls. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, don't just come to me and receive rest, but also learn from me. The first thing we learned is that I am weary and I am, but here's what I want us to do briefly is learn three things about the yoke that we do wear the beast that we're yoked to, who it is, the burden that we have in, in being yoked to this beast, and also the blessings, the result of those things. Do you catch it? Jesus says unmistakably that you are yoked to me. As you read through this blessed invitation that God gives us in his gospel, catch all the I, me's, and my's. It's about Christ from beginning to end. He will give you rest. It is his yoke. And what does he tell us about himself? Beast that we're connected to in this yoke? It's Christ from beginning to end. And, and what do we know about him? Well, he's gentle. He's gentle and humble in heart. What does that mean? Well, it means that every single time that we do come to him, and receive his invitation to receive his rest. He doesn't meet us with blame or shame. I say, oh, you again, you, you come again, but you haven't learned again. No, every single time we can expect to be refreshed with words of forgiveness that are so familiar. I forgive you all your sins. Go, in, go at peace, you're right with God. We can come and expect to be refreshed by that and also revived by his inexhaustible love. The fact that he comes again and again to us and we can come again and again to him and he's gentle. He's humble in heart. He not only revives us and refreshes us, but he redirects us from the way that we live, looking to try to pick up our own burdens. But when we are yoked with him, what he naturally does, because we cannot be yoked to anything else when we're yoked to him, he shows us the way to go to avoid foolish living and, and bad decisions and, and sin. That's what he promises to do in giving us our spirit. And he relieves us. He comes and, and gives us his rest, which relieves us. 
that he's taken away all of the burden of the law. He has fulfilled it perfectly. He's come and he's relieved us from any need to try to go out and win his approval because right now, the way he loves you is the same way he will love you 10,000 years from now and 10 million years from now when you're with him, sanctified, perfect in heaven. He's relieved you. And that leads us to our second one. Not only the beast that we are yoked to is Christ, but because of that, how much does the yoke weigh that we wear? Well, he tells us it's, it's light and it's easy. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And he tells us, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So often you might hear people criticize Christianity or religion by saying that, well, There's so many rules. There's so many burdens placed on you as a Christian, things you can't do and and on and on it goes. But based on this passage, we can argue the opposite. Jesus says the opposite. He says, my yoke, take my yoke on you and the burden, it's light and it's easy. What does this mean? Other than when, when Jesus says, you take my yoke upon you, it, it's not going to be that I say, okay, now that you're loved, now that you're forgiven, you have to prove again and again that you're worthy I love. No, no, no. It's easy. This is the gospel. It makes no demands of you. You don't have to do anything. But the moment you hear this gospel invitation, it's yours. The rest, it, it's yours. It's easy and it's, it's light. The burdens of the law that that we suffer under because we're with Paul and we experience that back and forth of, I want to do good, but I don't do good all the time. We yoke ourselves again and again with things that aren't Christ. No, he he says, come to me, my my yoke, being yoked with me, it's easy and it's light because I have carried the whole thing. I've carried the whole thing, the weight of your sins, the fulfillment of the law up the hill on Calvary and you never have to carry it again. So what's the result? What's the result of bearing this yoke? It's what we began talking about. It's rest. It's rest for our soul. It's rest that we receive coming again and again to Christ. I mean, we needed to. We needed to talk a little bit about what yokes were, not just so we understand them, but that you see yourself wearing one. See yourself wearing one all the time. Not just sometimes or when I'm at church, but we wear yokes all of the time as we hear this gospel invitation to come to Christ. And the moment we hear it, we receive that which he holds out to us, the rest for our souls We're wearing a yoke all of the time, but it's yoked to Christ. The burden is, it's not heavy and difficult. It's it's light and easy because it's with him. I wish that I could have preached this sermon maybe six, seven years ago. And the reason I say that is because when we started our church here, one of the things that we said as we planned out our worship and what it would be like is that it would be rest, that worship equals rest, spiritual rest. 
And this isn't an uncommon thing to our church. In fact, a lot of churches have imprinted on their altar or maybe somewhere in the background that you can see this very passage from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I wish I could have preached this sermon then, but I don't know if I could have because I'm still learning, not just coming, but learning from him what it is to personally not take up yokes, the burdens of the law. Maybe I couldn't have preached it then. But in one sense, I wish I could have because I think just by saying, hey, this is what worship is, well, maybe inadvertently, we created two errors. I created two errors. Maybe we can correct them today. The first one is this, that, that we think that rest happens just at worship that spiritual rest is is only ours when we come here. The second is that, well, we forget about the learning from him and taking his yoke. We come and want to just consume rest, but we don't take time to learn from him. Learn what? There's an element of repentance involved with receiving his rest. It's an element of taking off the yokes that that we self-choose every single day. It's kind of like this. Imagine that a good friend who knows his or her way around the kitchen invites you over for a very special meal. You come over and they begin telling you about how they've prepared a special meal for you on this special occasion and they're offering several different courses. But as they get into it, you immediately interrupt them and you say, "Ah, can I just have a serving of dessert? I, I just want to try that. The host kindly obliges and gives you a piece of dessert. And after you shovel it down, you say, can I have a second serving? That's pretty good. And so they do. And then you ask for a third and they give you a third and you shovel it down and you wipe your face and with a sigh say, that was good. Thank you. And you get up and leave. Now that would be incredibly rude, wouldn't it? But not only that, not only would it cause, you know, kind of offense and sadness to the host, and kind of disrespect the great work they put in to preparing that meal. You can't live on sugary sweets alone, can you? No, what doing that would actually do would deprive you of the nutrient-dense meal that they had prepared for you. It would deprive you not only of that, but also what a dinner on such an occasion is made for. Sitting down, spending quality time together with your friends. Friends, if anything, from this sermon, what I want you to take home is this invitation from your best friend, from Jesus, who again and again invites you to come over. Come to him, and you will receive rest for your souls. Because we've learned from him something that we've known about ourselves. We're burdened, burdened with all sorts of things. Maybe it's sadness, depression. Maybe it's real trauma. Maybe it's relational struggles with our spouse or our kids or our coworkers, but we're weary. We have burdens, burdens that are self-inflicted because we pick up yokes and, and try to carry them ourselves, the burden of the law. It's the things that we like most that we've turned to, to to give us rest instead of Christ. We're so burdened. We're so burdened and, and we're so weary. And while I can't promise you what, what 
physical sleep can give you, namely re-energized moods and higher levels of learning. What God promises you with spiritual rest is this, joy transcendent, a peace in your heart that surpasses all understanding. Well, I can't promise you that if like physical sleep, if you, if you do it consistently enough, you can prevent Alzheimer's and cancer and the onset of aging. What God promises you in spiritual rest is a rest for your soul that is yours now and into eternity, into a Sabbath eternal rest that is forever yours. Physical, physical sleep, it, it resets our emotions and, and puts us in a good mood when we get enough good sleep, doesn't it? I can't promise you that. But what God promises you with spiritual rest is healing. Healing that doesn't come from talk therapy. Healing that doesn't come from any other resource that you can ever find on this earth. But from his mouth comes an invitation. And in that invitation, he also enacts the very thing he wants to give you. The rest for your soul. Praise God for this. Amen.